Thanks for coming again this morning. My name is Shane Hatfield, and I'm your pastor, and it's a privilege to be here with you and lead you in worship. Uh, Now we're going to dismiss the kids, three-year-olds to first grade. Apparently, I've been making this announcement wrong. I've been saying three to six-year-olds, and we've had some, you know, some mischievous little uh, seven-year-olds that have uh, been been sticking around. They thought it didn't apply to them. So I, I was corrected. It is up to first grade. So you first graders, get on out of here. I'm just joking. You can stay if you want to. That's between you and your parents. But the class is for kids up to first grade. Uh, After worship, we're going to have our club. And club is for second grade through high school. Uh, And for the next three club meetings, we're going to have a special class, uh, what we're going to call a communicants class. And I know that's a Christianese word. But but in, in the Presbyterian world, the word communicants means uh, communing member. It's, it's someone, a communicant is someone who is preparing to take communion, right? And so we have a number of younger uh, kiddos who are, uh, believe they're ready to take communion. They want to take communion. Uh, they want to profess their faith in Jesus. They want to be baptized. And so this class that we'll have over the next three weeks will be preparing them for that process, okay? So if you have a, a child who wants to go through that class, then just come and let me know, and then afterwards, we'll, uh, myself and Amy Duncan, our uh, children's ministry director, will be taking them to their own special class, and we will walk them through our new member vows, uh, which, which is a public profession of faith. That's what it is, and uh, we'll be explaining that in an age-appropriate way and preparing them for baptism and for communion. So exciting times at our church. Be praying for that class, uh, that the Lord would use it to save their souls and to build up our church. Uh, lastly, Uh, As part of uh, being Presbyterian, we are a part of what's called a presbytery. A presbytery is a regional body of churches. So uh, Grace and Peace is not just an independent church. It is connected to a larger denomination and a larger group of churches. And yesterday we had, uh, we have three presbytery meetings a year. Yesterday we had a presbytery meeting at River Oaks Presbyterian Church in South Tulsa. Uh, It was a very uh, productive meeting and mostly efficient and one of the exciting things that happened at that meeting was that um, our a future assistant pastor, Fee Kennedy, was there, and he transferred in from his old presbytery into our presbytery, right? Yeah, so let's yeah, a round of applause. And we had a number of people there to support Fee and to participate in the service. Here's a picture of most of our team. That's t- uh, uh, me, and then Madison Daniels, our a youth ministry coordinator, and then Fee is in the jacket there, and then Mike Hayes, one of our elders, Steve Harden, our executive director, John Moss, our pastoral intern. John came under the care of the presbytery. So in in the PCA world, the presbytery is actually who who ordains you to ministry. And so John is working on his ordination. So now he's under the care of the presbytery, and we'll help him go through that process. And then our other uh, elder, yeah, let's give John a round of applause. You did a great job. And then Tyler Gray, another one of our elders who was there uh, to participate in the process. So uh, everything went smoothly. John came under care. Fee uh, had to be examined a little bit on his, uh, on his views of, um, he did, how much Presbyterianism do I go into on a Sunday morning? Uh, he passed. That's all you need to know. If you want to know all the details of what he passed and why he passed it, then come and talk to me. But it was a great Sunday, and I'm thankful to be Presbyterian. And as we go along, hopefully we should be and we'll be teaching you more and more about what that means. Um, 
Okay, now can I have Nick and Brooks come on up? Uh, also, uh, part of Grace and Peace is we, uh, we are a connectional body in more ways than one. We're connected to the larger church, but we're also connected to one another. And one of the ways that we do that is through our, our small groups, our community groups and Bible studies. And Nick and Brooks are going to be a part of a new group that we're starting, um, primarily for young adults in Midtown. And so we're going to let Nick introduce the group, and then Brooks is going to do our scripture reading for us this morning. So you guys, take it away. Alrighty, thanks so much. Hey, good morning. Uh, my name is Nick. This is Brooks, and uh, Brooks and I, along with our third roommate, Mitch, the tall, handsome one, he's raising his hands back there. We are starting a new small group, a co-ed small group for young adults in the Midtown area, and I'm really excited about it. We're led by two All-Americans and Gary and Kathleen Smith, uh, and um, just wanted to cast some vision for this group. You know, as we have um, wanted to start this group. Our prayer ultimately has been that it would be a, a harbor, if you will, for young adults in the Midtown area, right? And so kind of the picture is, you know, we in our day-to-day -day lives are out to sea, right? But on a weekly basis, we want to come together back to port, to dock, to rest and be refreshed. And so our prayer is that um, at, if you are interested in wanting, that you would have an opportunity to come once a week and uh, join us in just recentering and refocusing our hearts on the Lord and being able to do that alongside others who are uh, doing that as well. And so just a couple specifics. Um, this small group is going to be on Wednesday evenings from 7 to 8.30. Um, and we, our house is literally, as a crow flies, 400 yards west of here. So, I mean, just like really, really close. And um, we're just so excited for it. And I just hope that you here this morning, if you um, aren't currently in a small group, uh, this is an open invitation to you. And we truly, truly would love to have you. And not only you, but if you have friends that are in the same boat as you, for whatever reason, just haven't gotten plugged in yet, maybe you're new like I am, um, man, here, here's the opportunity and know that we want you and we want, uh, want you to come and, and experience it. And so um, if you have any more questions or thoughts, you can come talk to me or Gary. Um, I think also uh, our information's in the bulletin. And so, um, yeah, we'd love to have you. And so Brooks is going to read the scripture for us. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes from three different passages. First Peter two, verse four and five, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, the word of the Lord. And thank you, Brooks and Nick, for hosting, and thank you, Gary and Kathleen, for leading. I visited their group last week, and he is right. Kathleen and Gary are all stars. Uh, Gary might be coming for my job someday, but that's okay. Uh, no worries. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, go and check that group out. All right, we are going to continue our, actually in, conclude our sermon series on the Grace and Peace Way. Uh, this is our last 
sermon on our vision and values. Next week, uh, John is going to be preaching for us. And we're not sure yet, but the word is going to come to us before Sunday morning at 1030. So rest assured. Uh, And then after that, I'll be resuming our study in Matthew. We'll be focusing on the king and his kingdom um, all the way through the spring and then maybe into the summer. We'll we'll see how the spirit leads us. Uh, But we've been focusing on our vision and values. And we saw that our vision is answering the question, why do we exist? We exist to see God's grace change everything in Tulsa and beyond. Uh, we have three uh, core values that, that, that guide how we behave. Uh, there are gospel-centered ministry, passionate worship, and then uh, life-changing. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of a wordy. You know, pastors, were wordies. And uh, I've, been, I've been going back and forth between uh, that value being worded as life-changing relationships or life-changing community. Uh, I believe that relationships are the building block for community, but community is really the vision, uh, the goal, the end of that. So if you have any thoughts or feelings as to what that word should be or could be, then, then I'm soliciting your information. Come, come and talk to me about it. I'd just love to hear your opinion if there are other wordies out there. Uh, some of you could probably care less. You're a number person. It's okay. That's fine. We love you too. We need you. I'm not the numbers person, words person. Uh, so this morning... We're going to focus in on, actually, it's a funny topic. Uh, This sermon is titled, Building Vision, okay? And the reason that it's titled that is because, as many of you probably know, we are actively searching for a building, and we have been for many months. And by a building, I mean a church building uh, that we own that can be a permanent facility for us uh, for as long as the Lord would have us, whether, you know, Lord willing, that will be 100 years plus, right? Uh, And so... uh, the update is we do not currently have a building under contract, uh, but we are actively looking. We're working very hard. Uh, we're making great progress. I wish I could have stood up here today and told you, yeah, we got it and had the pictures, but I don't have that. I'm sorry. Hopefully, we'll have that in the future. So this is more of a vision casting sermon for Lord willing when that day will come. And, and really what I want to do is answer uh, uh, two questions in this sermon. One is... Uh, why a building? Why do we need our own building? Okay, maybe some of you are asking that, and so I want to try to answer that question a little bit. The second question I want to try to answer is, what are we going to do with the building? What is the vision for having our own space? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning uh, from those three passages. And to, um, to answer those questions, we really have to go back to the identity of the church. Who is the church? What are we? What are we called to do? What are we called to be? Because if you don't know who you are, if you don't know your identity, then you can't know where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do. Uh, There's a great example of this in Harry Potter. Uh, It's one of our our family's favorite books and movie stories. Uh, But in the very, uh, the the book centers around a boy named Harry. Uh, Harry, in the first book, he's an 11-year-old boy. He lives with the Dursleys, that is his aunt and his uncle and his cousin, and they treat him like dirt. He lives under the stairs, and uh, they treat him like a servant. Well, as his 11th birthday approaches, Harry starts getting these letters in the mail, but the Dursleys don't want him to get those letters, and so they start taking the letters, so Harry can't get them, and then more and more letters come, and the letters are kind of, they're not kind of, they are relentless, and the Dursleys hate the letters so much because they know they're about Hogwarts, and they don't like Hogwarts, uh, Spoiler alert. Uh, But um, they hate him so much, they move to a house 
on an island as far away from their house as they could get to try to stop the letters from coming. Well, they, they can't stop them. And finally, one night, a large man knocks down the door and he brings a cake and he brings a letter and that he invites Harry to attend the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And Harry is uh, confused. He doesn't know what's going on. And this large man walks in and Harry says, who are you? And he says, I'm Rubius Hagrid, keeper of keys and grounds at Hogwarts. Of course, you know all about Hogwarts. And Harry just looks at him and says, no. And and, And Hagrid says, well, didn't you ever wonder where your mom and dad learned it all? And Harry looks at him and says, learned what? And Hagrid says, You're a wizard, Harry. And Harry realizes for the first time that there is an invisible kingdom that exists in his world that is filled with wizards. And he is a part of that kingdom. And the rest of the story is Harry learning how to be a wizard and to live in that invisible kingdom and to do battle against the spiritual forces of evil that are trying to overtake him and his kingdom. I tell you that story this morning because I think it's a great picture of who we are as Christians and who we are as the church. We are a part of the kingdom of God. And on this earth, there is a real spiritual but invisible kingdom that is God's. And Jesus is the king of that kingdom. And he has brought us by faith through the Holy Spirit into that kingdom. And that kingdom is made visible through the local church or through the the physical church, through people like us. So there's an invisible kingdom that is visibly manifested uh, through the visible church. And it is our role, our responsibility, our job to uh, participate in that kingdom, to, to learn who we are and what we're supposed to do so that God's kingdom expands through the work of the local church and that the spiritual forces of evil on this earth are pushed back through the power of the Holy Spirit until one day, someday, Jesus returns and he makes the, uh, the and there's a new heavens and the new earth and he makes the invisible kingdom visible here. But until then, he has given us the church, and the church is here to extend that kingdom. And he tells us that the church does that in three ways. It does it as being through being a spiritual house, through being a missions house, and through being an equipping house. And so we're going to look at our identity in those three passages and what they mean, and then we're going to apply it to a building so that when we, Lord willing, have a building, we know who we are, and what we're supposed to do. Because the church is not a building. The church is a people. It's us. So first thing we're going to look at is the church is a spiritual house. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5, it says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Christ Jesus. Uh, Jesus is a living stone. He is the the stone on which the church is built. Um, And through through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
right? Jesus, as the church grows, Jesus is growing. As the church grows, his influence, his power, his kingdom is expanding. And as Christians come to him for spiritual nourishment, they are growing personally, and they are growing as a body. Uh, not only that, but they are built up into spiritual priests that offer sacrifices to God. Uh, this is Old Testament language. It, it's the concept of the temple and the priests. And in the Old Testament era, if people wanted to meet with God, then they had to go to the temple and they had to bring a sacrifice. And there would be a priest there that would take that sacrifice and mediate between them and God so they could experience God's presence. And now Peter's saying is that in the New Testament era where we are, that we are that temple, both corporately as the body of Christ and individually, and individually, and that we offer spiritual sacrifices, that we get to come in and, and bring our offerings to God through what we do in, in worship and outside of worship and by even uh, acting as living sacrifices for one another. We can mediate the presence of God to each other. Um, because we are united in him through spirit, he makes us a temple, and he makes us priests. So what does that mean? Uh, as I said earlier, the, it means that the church is not a building. It's not a program. It's not some sort of abstract idea. The church is a real, tangible, but spirit-filled group of people. And as we gather together, we are functioning as a spiritual house, a spiritual house that helps people grow and nourish and develop the same way your, your home or your family, that in that home, Lord willing, they're providing you with the care, the nourishment, the nurture, the education that you need to grow up to be all that God wants you to be. Right? We want to be a spiritual house that provides spiritual nourishment for God's spirit-filled people. Um, I heard a, a presbytery yesterday we always have worship service, and the worship service uh, sermon was given by Jonathan Dorst, who's the, uh, the associate pastor at River Oaks. Phenomenal sermon. I wish it was recorded. One of the best Presbytery sermons I've ever heard. And uh, he used an illustration there that I want to use this morning. Uh, and since it's Super Bowl Sunday, I figure I can use a football illustration, and that's appropriate. Uh, but he, he told about a Netflix show called The Quarterback. And what The Quarterback does is it follows three NFL quarterbacks through the 2022 season. Uh, and one of them is Kirk Cousins, and if Kirk Cousins has been in the, the league for 10 years. Uh, he is known for being a really good regular season quarterback and for not winning anything in the playoffs, right? Uh, in his 10 years, he's only won one playoff game, and he's never been to the Super Bowl. Uh, well, in this 2022 season, the Vikings were having a great year. They're 13-4, and four, and, and Kirk Cousins engineers one of the greatest comebacks in NFL history, they go to, but they go to the playoffs, and they lose to the New York Giants, who they were favored to beat. And so after the game, the camera crew follows Kirk Cousins into his locker room, and it shows him uh, just sitting there at his locker, staring in a daze. And, and, you're, and as you're watching, you probably think he's, he's probably thinking, oh, here it, here it is again. It's all true. I failed. I can't, I can't win the big game. So after that, they show him, uh, the cameras show him uh, going home. And when he gets home, he does the dishes, he puts his son to bed, uh, and he, he reads his kids a book. And after he reads the book, he says, 
It's time to sing and pray. And then he sings, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is seeking sand. And he prays, Lord, thank you that Daddy didn't get hurt today and that Cooper got to go to the football game. And thank you for Mommy and Little Brother and that we have a great family. What is he doing? He is he's building a spiritual house that nourishes and cares for his family. The way, I'm presuming, a, a church has nourished and cared for him. The, the church has taught him that his identity is built not on his reputation, not on wins and losses, not even on his ability to be a great father. But his life is built on Jesus and nothing less. And so he has learned that in the church and they have cared for him. And now he takes that back to his family and he is teaching that to them. And then you have the millions of people watching on Netflix who are hearing that this man's life is built on Jesus and not his work. That's the kind of spiritual care and nourishment that we want to provide as a church. And we think that having a church building will make that more effective. Having a physical place that we can call our own gives us a real tangible way that we can be a better spiritual house for you all and for whoever else would come through that door. Right? We want to offer um, more nursery space, better nursery space. Uh, we want to offer... Um, ministries in word and deed. Uh, we want to offer a sanctuary that, that is um, big enough to accommodate whoever God brings and that is also big enough to, to display his transcendence, but also to display his, his eminence, his nearness. Uh, the Junior League has been a, a great place for us the last two years, but we, frankly, we've maximized our, our space here and our ability to use it, especially in our children's area. And we're even having little challenges like our... our, our our communicants class that we're going to lead has got to be every other week because we only have this space, extra space, every other week. And we've got to put everybody into a little cramped classroom. Uh, and, and Shane is hoping there's a dry erase board that he can teach from whenever he gets in there because he really loves dry erase boards, right? We have our own building. We can provide that kind of care and that nourishment week after week. We can have it set up. And we know what's going to be there whenever we get there, Right? So the building doesn't give us our identity, but the building serves our identity as a spiritual house. Imagine this, that we have a, I know it's hard in our modern culture because we move all the time. We change churches and Bible studies all the time. And some of that is good and necessary. I'm not poo-pooing that. But imagine that you have a, a church facility, a church building where a, a child could be theoretically born and then baptized in that building and catechized in that building. And make his profession of faith in that building. And graduate at a, at a graduation service in that building. Come back from college on weekends to that building. Develop life-changing relationships in that building. Get married in that building. Become a, a deacon or an elder or a Sunday school teacher in that building. Leave a legacy in that building. And then have his funeral in that building. It would serve as a, a spiritual a home for him or her throughout their entire life. That's the kind of facility that we want, so we can be a spiritual house. The next thing we see is that God calls us, the church, as a missions house. So it's a spiritual house for God's spirit-filled kingdom people, but it's also a missions home, as Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says. Go, therefore, and make all disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Christians call this passage the Great Commission. After Jesus died and resurrected, he met with his disciples over a period of 40 days. And this was one of the final things that he said. He said, I want you to go out and make more disciples from all nations. I want you to teach them and baptize them, and I will be with you wherever you go. And then in the book of Acts, we see that played out. The Holy Spirit comes down, and the, uh, the disciples uh, and apostles work together to see the church go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And since then, the church of Jesus Christ has continued that mission across the face of the earth. That is the mission that God gives us, is that we take the gospel out and that more and more people hear the gospel, and they're trained and called and evangelized to become a part of God's kingdom, right? And so what does that mean for us? That means that God calls the church in general and grace and peace to leave the comfort and safety of our own homes to go seek and save the lost. God is seeking and saving the lost through his word and his spirit and the ministry of the church. You know how he does it? He does it through us. He does it through his spirit-filled people going out and doing gospel ministry in word and deed. So we, we want to have a building that allows us to do that. Uh, now, you could say that owning your own building makes you less missional. Uh, well, let me give you three reasons why I think owning your own building, having your own facility can actually make you more visible, uh, more missional, right? First, uh, your own building gives us more opportunity. If we have our own building, we have more opportunity to host uh, missional uh, ministries, to host people from a neighborhood. Uh, it provides us with a front door for people to come into, um, we, you know, we want to partner with several different local ministries. We've talked with, we have City of Hope. We've talked with RUF, uh, International Student uh, Bible Studies, uh, other parachurch ministries. We want to partner with them to help the gospel go out. We really need a place to do that. A place would give us a more effective way to, to take advantage of those opportunities. It also gives us more visibility. Uh, as a pastor, I talk to people a lot, and, and I always tell people that I'm a pastor, uh, it's just going to come up eventually, so it's okay. What do you do? You're making small talk. What do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, where's your church? Or what's your church? Grace and peace. Oh, where's that at? And you could tell as you're talking through, they're, they're wondering in their mind, they're thinking about a building, right? And I tell them, oh, it's at 36 in Yale. And uh-huh, uh-huh. It's by the little lighthouse. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, you ran out the little house? No. It, we, there's a little property there. It's called the Junior League. We rent that out on Sunday mornings, and we put up our signs, and then we take them down. Oh, okay, okay. They, they, they want a place that whether we like it or not, they want a, they want a building to associate it with. And so having our own place gives, up, uh, gives us a gravitas. It gives us an anchor in the community that people can visually see and latch onto. It also gives us more stability. Um, the, right or wrong, the, the COVID pandemic showed us that any church that rents is really uh, one pandemic away from being functionally homeless. It just is, especially if you're uh, ministering from a school, you're renting a school. Uh, you know, we were renting a school, the pandemic hit, it shut down, we're homeless. Thankfully, <laughs> we are part of a denomination 
with generous churches that own their own building like River Oaks. So we were able to go to River Oaks and use their building because they owned it and it wasn't shut down so that we could continue to worship. So owning your own building gives you that stability. And just quite frankly, what we're seeing across the nation after COVID is that Christians and non-Christians alike, now they want to go to a church that owns their own building and is older because of the instability that COVID created. It just created a cultural instability. And so they're actually looking for churches that have more history, more roots, more gravitas to go to. And we're having trouble starting church plants because people don't want to go to them. So, giving us, uh, so getting our own building actually provides us with more missional opportunities, guys. And that is important. It's important. We exist to be a missions house. Uh, I was talking with Gary and Kathleen about this, and they were a part of another church that went through a, a building campaign, and it, 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 it was a successful, healthy, uh, growing, flourishing church. And so they were, they were building their own building, and they had these plans to build this, this very um, large, opulent building, which they did build, and it's doing well. And um, at the, the, they were saying that at one point there was a meeting, and they were discussing the building, like how grand is this building going to be? And, and they were debating about, you know, how much, you know, I, I don't know all the ins and outs, but they were debating about how grand it was going to be. And, the, uh, and, and after like two hours of this debate, uh, the, the, uh, one of the old, I think it was, a older, was it a former pastor? The former pastor stood up and he goes, okay, guys, listen, uh, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, he goes, we could set up a tent and we could have our worship in a tent. But the reality is that people from South Tulsa who are outside of our church are not going to come worship with us in a tent. And if you don't want those people to come and worship with us, then I don't want to be a part of this church. Essentially, he's saying, if you don't want to be missional, then we're not being the church, and I'm not going to be a part of it. And he, Gary and Kathleen said he sat down, and the meeting was over. <laughs> the decision was made. Because right? he knew that, that it wasn't the building. The, the, the building wasn't carrying out the mission, but the building served the mission. And we exist as a missions house for non-kingdom people, and we want to see more and more people come to know Jesus, don't we? All right. So Lord willing, the Lord will give us a building that will help us do that. But in order, so the, so the church is a spiritual house for kingdom people, and it's a missions house for non-kingdom people, but in order for it to, to, to serve both those functions, it's got to also be an equipping house for kingdom people. And that's what Ephesians 11, 4, 11 through 12 says. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Right, So this passage says that Jesus descended into the earth uh, and lived and died and resurrected and as then ascended into heaven. And when it, it, he ascended into heaven, it says that he gave gifts to men. And we, we can take all the passages about spiritual gifts together and we can, we can, what we see is, is that Jesus gave spiritual gifts to the church to carry out his ministry. Well, in this passage... What Paul highlights, what, what God highlights through the Holy Spirit in Paul, is that God, one of the gifts that God gave is officers, especially uh, officers of the word, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And he says that their job is not to do all the ministry. Notice it doesn't say that. It doesn't say God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, shepherds to do all the ministry. What does it say? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. 
So there's sort of historically two views of the ministry within the church, how it's supposed to be carried out. The, the first historic view is that it's primarily um, pastor-focused. And the pastor goes out and does all the ministry, and the church is just there to support and encourage the pastor. Uh, well, there's been a shift more recently to more of a um, congregational-style ministry, where the, the pastor and the elders, uh, they're really not that important. The real, the real focus of the ministry is engaging and equipping the congregation to go out and do ministry. It's sort of a low view of the church, high view of church members. One of them is a high view of the church, low view of member ministry. The other one is a low view of the church, high view of member ministry. But I think what God is calling us here is both and. It's a high view of the church and officers and a high view of the ministry and of the congregation, right? So we exist at Grace and Peace, the officers, the elders, and the deacons, and the staff. We exist to equip the congregation for the work of ministry, right? That's, that's our job. That's our role. We want an every member ministry at Grace and Peace. We want to give you the tools that you need to carry out the ministry that God has called you to do. Because every believer in here is filled with the Holy Spirit and given spiritual gifts to participate in the kingdom. And, and having a building will help us do that more effectively. For example, we want to have a class on when helping hurts. When helping hurts is the uh, curriculum that we use to train our mercy team that goes out and ministers to people who are economically and physically disadvantaged. Well, because of our limitations on space and size, we, we want to we have that for um, our mercy team members and everyone in the congregation, as many people in the congregation that want to come as possible. But we reserve this space until uh, 11.45 or 12 or something like that, and then the cotillion comes in after us, and they use the space. And then we have our band and our setup worship before that. Basically, we don't have any time or space to hold this training that we want to hold to equip you for ministry because we don't own our own building. And so the hope would be that when we own our own building, we have the space and the time to equip you for ministry so that you can go out and do ministry, right? So again, the building is not essential to doing that ministry. We can still do it, but it's going to make it much more effective in our ability to equip you. In our ability, and, and, and really, you guys all have tools, you have tools you need to carry out ministry, but you need somebody to teach, the, teach you how to use them. And that's what we're here for. That's what God has given us spiritual gifts for, right? I uh, am working on our, we're working on our kitchen, we're doing some remodeling uh, for Christmas. I asked for some tools, because I know, as, as all, you know, DIY guys know, the tools, the tools make the job, really. And so I got these, all these tools for Christmas, and now I have the tools, and I can do some things, but I don't really know how to use them. But if I had Gary or Brian or Cameron or someone like them who actually knows how to use the tools, come over and help me do my jobs, guys, equip me, <laughs> then that would make the projects go much more efficiently and effectively, Right? That's what we want to do together. We want to help you use the tools that God has given you so that you can do ministry. And you're going to flourish, and we're going to flourish as we do that together. So the church is a spiritual house for kingdom people, and it's a missions house for non-kingdom people. And it's a equipping house so that we can all come together to learn how to worship and serve Jesus better together. 
And God is going to use that to grow us and flourish us, right? That's what he has called us to be. That is who we are. And Lord willing, God is going to provide us with a building and his time and his place and his way that will help us do that. But until then, we're not, we're not going to stop doing ministry. We're going to keep doing ministry as well as we can. And our hope is actually built not on our ability to do ministry. And our hope is not built on our ability to gain a building. The hope for the church is built on the person and work of Jesus. He is the living stone. He is the spirit seeking to save the lost. He is the one who gives gifts to the church for ministry. And he's actually working in us to carry out the ministry that he wants to do. And Jesus told the disciples before he left, right, that they held the keys to the kingdom and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Friends, grace and peace could shut down today at 1130. Hopefully it won't. I don't want to look for a job. But the church wouldn't stop because the church isn't built on grace and peace. The church is built on Jesus. And he has given his life for the church. And when you look at the church, I want you to see it the way that he sees it, loved. Loved. Uh, my wife and I are perpetually like 15 years behind on shows. And uh, one of the shows that we've just started watching that most of you have watched or heard of is a show called Downton Abbey. Uh, it's a period drama set in the early 1900s in England. I'm only three episodes in, so I cannot speak to all six seasons And please don't spoil it for me. But there was a scene in episode two that really stuck out to me. Uh, Lord Grantham is the, uh, he is head. He's the Lord over Downton Abbey, which is essentially a castle and an estate in England. And his heir, he has three daughters who cannot be the heir to the house. His heir is a third cousin named Matthew Crawley. And so he is bringing, he has brought Matthew Crawley to the house to learn how to live on the estate so that he can become the heir of it someday. But Crawley doesn't really want to do that, and he doesn't really get it. He doesn't appreciate it. And there's a scene in episode two where they're walking around on the grounds, and Crawley is looking at the big castle estate, and Lord Grantham looks at him and says, you do not love the place yet. No. You see a million bricks that may crumble, a thousand gutters and pipes that can block and leak, and stone that will crack in the frost. And the guy looks at him and says, you don't see that? And he says, no, I see my life's work. And later on he says, oh, he says, was it ever in danger? And he said, my dear papa thought it would go under in the 1880s. And what saved it? Cora, that was his wife. He elsewhere, he says, I have given my life to Downton. I was born here, and I intend to die here. I have no career beyond the nurture of this estate. It is my third parent and my fourth child. When he looked at the abbey, he didn't just see a building. He saw a legacy. He saw a people, and he gave his life for it. That's what God has done for the church. When he looks at the church, he doesn't, he, yes, we are flawed people. We are much more sinful and broken than we ever, ever imagined. 
And yet this is a flawed space, and whatever space we're going to get into is flawed. But when Jesus looks at the church, he does not see the flaws. He sees his bride. He sees his people. He sees that he loved, the people that he loves and accepts that he gave his life for. That's what the church is built on. That's what our lives are built on. That's what our future is built on. And nothing can shake that no matter what. So let's go to the Lord and ask him to help us see the church as he sees it and to love it as he loves it. Please bow your heads and pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have built your church on your son. And you are building up your church through the work of the Holy Spirit. And we come now and we ask you to give us a, a, to build our vision for your church. To give us a greater vision for who we are and for what you have called us to be and you have called us to do. We pray that we would be a spiritual house for your kingdom people. That we would raise people to love you and to know you and to follow you all the days of their life. We pray that we would be a missions house for non-kingdom people, that more and more people would come to know Jesus and become a part of your kingdom through our ministry. We pray that we would be an equipping house, God. We pray that the saints here would learn how to use the tools that you have given them for ministry. And we thank you that the future of the church and the future of grace and peace is not built on us and our ability to do these things, and it's not built on our building and our ability to acquire a building, it is built on your son and what he has done for us. Unless you build it, we build in vain. And so we pray that you would build it. Would you build your house, Lord? We pray this in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.